Hey, hey, Potnutkins. Welcome to Mini PC Show. Big talk, little machines. My name is Door to Door Geek. Uh, Rich is under the weather today. Ate some bad salsa. It happens to the best of us, folks. Uh, and uh, Brian is away uh, doing work, I hope, and it's just family-related, and that's uh, it. Um, this is going to probably be just a little bit of a shorter show because it is just me, but this is a show that we have not done uh, for about a month, so I felt like I had to do something. Um, it is the first week of January, so why not? Let's talk about 2019-2020. Uh, what happened in 2019 worth mentioning that caught our eyes that we remember and what we predict could happen in 2020 or what we know is going to happen in 2020. Um, I'll say a little caveat, like CES just started here uh, the Wednesday, the 8th of January. If you would like to uh, partake in this uh, show live, all you got to do is just uh, go to uh, Twitter or YouTube, follow me, and you'll be notified when we go live or just hang out on our Discord server, link in the notes, or in our Mattermost server. You got to email me for access for that, and I try to post it there when we go live. Um, and then you too can uh, partake in this uh, event is what I'll say. Um, I'll say this. In 2019, there was a lot of things that happened, but I'll also say I believe most of it we were able to predict. I don't want to say with ease, but most of it was a pretty consistent, gradual increase in quality of computing through 2019. There was no huge leaps in technology. I will say the idea of neural computings or TPUs or tensor flows um, is a pretty new thing, and it's taken off a little bit quicker than I think I thought. Um, but we had the Raspberry Pi 4 come out. Once again, the company is packed with people like with the IQ of 35 after the Pi, Raspberry Pi 3. To not call it the Raspberry Pi 3.14 just shows an un- unbelievable incompetency and under an unbelievable, like, um, um, no sense of humor, no sense of playfulness. Uh, that's what used to make hackers hackers back in the day was a sense of playfulness. Uh, they have no sense of play- playfulness and they started to become unbelievably corporatized with stores with, and, uh, uh, they said very clearly with the goal of being profit, um, so I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end of the glorious um, um, uh, royalty dynasty of the Raspberry Pi. With that stated, it's still going to take two or three years at least for all the hype to die down and for the communities to uh, rearrange themselves and find, I think, a more suitable home. But it will be, again, really powerful for a while. They 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 made really weird selections with this Raspberry Pi 4. Uh, they finally took the NIC and the USB off of the same bus, which would cut both of them their speeds down greatly on the previous versions. Uh, so they're, they're on separate buses. This one finally has a true gigabit NIC, which is, you know, two years too late in my opinion, but they finally did it. Uh, it does have uh, USB 3, I believe it's 3.0, not 3.1 or 3.2, which is fine for most people's use cases, a lot of people's use cases. Um, they went with uh, Type USC for power, another smart move, but it's a non-standard thing they did. I think they did that just to save money. Once again, I think profit is their major uh, thing here. And then they gave it two micro, I believe it is, not many, micro HDMI uh, ports on it, which is just unbelievably, uncannily dumb. Uh, You instantly jack the price up of the unit because maybe 5% of the people buying this already have those wires sitting at home. 
So you instantly made the barrier of, of entry higher when they did that. Um, I think they're going to continue to make stupid decisions moving forward, uh, just like they did with this model. Um, with that stated, this is by far the best performing Raspberry Pi I've ever had. I have the four gig version. Uh, I have the Seed Studio Ice Tower Cooler on top of mine, and it's running uh, my graphical desktop quite smooth, quite smooth. Micro, thank you, Rich. Um, I always say mini. Um, so anybody, I'll say this, anybody who says that this is not a desktop-like experience, one of two things. One, you live in the glory of a first world where you have a 1000 to $3,000 laptop with, you know, brand new i7 or i9 with 32 gigs of RAM with all these fancy bells and whistles, or um, you just, you know, have extremely high expectations from like work computers. Me, on the other hand, uh, most of my computers that I use on a daily basis are five to seven years old is what I'll say. Um, the only newer computers I have is a i7 laptop that was a gift from a viewer, which I can't thank him enough, uh, which I use as my main streaming rig, but I also insist it on it lasting a very long time so I don't bang it around. I don't you know, push it too hard. I want it to be really rock solid and stable and it runs beautiful butterfast. But my main traveling rig right now is a seven-year-old uh, Lenovo 430, T430 maybe? It might be a 420. I think it's a 430. Um, and then I have like my Odroid H2 um, computers. I mean, they're old. They're old computers. So the Raspberry Pi 4 with 4 gigs of RAM is remarkably desktop-like for me comparing it to my normal computer usage. Um, you know, if you have a brand new Microsoft Surface or a brand new uh, HP Spectre or something like that. Oh yeah, the Raspberry Pi 4 is not going to be desktop-like, but you live in a different world. You, know, you live with different standards. Uh, to me, this is uncannily desktop-like. It isn't like a desktop, it's desktop-like. Um, the other uh, single board computer uh, things that happened in 2019, I will say, is the Jetson Nano uh, probably came out like, uh, like a rowdy, rowdy piper, and they live. Uh, he came in uh, to chew bubblegum and kick butt, and he's all out of bubblegum. Uh, the Jetson uh, Nano is a beast for $99. Um, this same type of form factor and power three years ago, two years ago, would have been probably $300 to $400. Um, so it is really, I'll say this, spectacularly impressive. I do not have one, uh, but I could see that doing a lot of task that most people would right now rely on for full desktop type computers. Um the other uh, single board computer stuff I have to mention is the um, Odroid H2, which to me revolutionized the idea of modular, small form factor computers that are x86, not ARM. I think they did a really, really good good um, job with that. Um, the other computers I think that um, really need to be mentioned is what I'll say is um, the Rock 64 and the Rock Pro 64. Uh, I think they are two extremely undervalued computers in the realm of mini computers. Uh, the one has a, um, a PCI, uh, I believe it's a 4X slot on it, to gives you a lot of good expandability. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention the Odroid H2 has a um, NVMe slot on it, which I think is beautiful for 2019. Um, the Rock Pro um, does have EMMC on it, 4 gigs of RAM, uh, RK3399 processor. I have that running as my next cloud server. Everything runs nearly perfect 
on that device is what I will say. And it was about the same price. I want to say it was $35 for the lower end, $58 for the higher end. Uh, one of the best bang for the buck values. The only downside to me about that board is it has a barrel connector. It isn't the end of the world. I, I just now have to uh, borrow my wife's label maker whenever I buy a mini computer with a barrel jack on it. And I have to label the actual wall warp plug or I never know which one is which. Um, in other mini PC news, I will say um, Odroid has made significant ongoing progress. They've done really well. Um, the gimmicks with most o Odroids is they really focus heavily on processor and the GPU, and they do not focus on Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or wireless connectivity really at all. Uh, so whenever you buy an Odroid, you're going to have to buy dongles for Bluetooth or for Wi-Fi. Now, that's a double-edged sword. The bad side is it costs you now more money to get what you, what you might consider basic functionality. But on the good side now, you are assured that whatever you buy, if you do your proper, proper research, will run extremely well on your operating system. Or and with a simple USB cable, you can then extend the range of it. You can literally put a 25-foot USB cable on it and put the Wi-Fi dongle wherever you want or Bluetooth dongle wherever you want, thus extending the range of your device. Um, Odroids, to me, are very fairly priced computers, all of them. Some of them are just a touch expensive, but I will say this. Um, half of the user experience with mini computers is the hardware and the specs, you know, the polish, the uh, the um, cases. Oh, yeah, another huge failing with the Raspberry Pi 4. No buttons. This is 2020, people. Maybe we can get some buttons. I don't know. I'm not going to put my money on it. Most Odroids have buttons, okay? That's another nicety of it. Um, the cases for them are really nice too. Um, and I was going to say this, unbelievably one of the most rock solid devices, greatest computing use cases for uh, uh, heavier servers, or if you want to use them for like HTPCs, uh, home theater PCs, running either front ends with Plex, Android, Netflix, uh, um, um, uh, Kodi, or back end with Plex or Samba servers and uh, stuff like that. Um, and I'll and I'll say I love the fact that the Odroids have had gig nicks for now. I want to say two and a half or maybe three years. Uh, hey, Red, thanks for coming out to the chat. Um, and I'll say um, the real to me winner in mini computers. Now, uh, you know, we have had other companies come out. Lenovo announced a single board computer. The Asus Tinkerboard, I have no problem saying I'm not going to eat crow. I'm not, but I have no problem admitting I was not right. They've done remarkably well in supporting with upkeep with their board. I still ain't buying one because it's way overpriced for what it is, but I like seeing these major manufacturers get into this game. A rising water raises all ships. That's competition. That's what competition does. In any world, in any ecosystem, in any e um, e um, e economy, any environment, competition is great for everybody. Maybe not the businesses. Don't care about the businesses. I care about the users and the user experiences. So hardware is only one side of it. And Odroid does a really great job of that. Maybe they do better at the operating systems on it. Where you download the Odroid operating systems from the Odroid websites, I have seen nothing but insane stability out of them and some of the best honed drivers for performance. Now, you can get Armbian, you can get Diet Pie, you can get a whole bunch of other distros that will run just fine, you know, great, run really respectable. But those Odroid native operating systems run magnifique is the word that I'll use. 
Um, but if you know me and if you know this show, um, the winner by far in at the end of uh, tw- uh, 2019, beginning of 2020, where as you look at them in the beginning of 2019 and then the end of 2019, to me, it's amount of momentum you've done for yourself. And to me, the Raspberry Pi did a pitiful amount of momentum. Yes, they probably did gain some momentum, but not a lot. Those stores are not doing a lot of momentum. Don't let anybody fool you. They're not. Even if they do, you know, $20,000 each a month in sales, momentumly speaking, they're not moving the goalpost a lot. Odroid, they've done some good goalpost moving with some of their hardware. They've pushed the limits. They've done really niche things. But the winner by far, I think, has to be Pine64 because the buzz. Uh, it's hard to reproduce hype. It's hard to reproduce new cycles. It's hard to, you know, buy your way onto things, you know, unless you're like a former New York mayor or something. I don't know. Um, but Pine64 might have beat everybody in the simple game of community building and honest, like, you know, um, um, uh, community building. Because, like, you have people like Purism offering a $2,000 phone. They're the Apple computers of many computers where they're offering a Linux phone, but it's $2,000. Does, do, who, do they know Linux people? Linux people aren't the kind of people who walk around throwing money everywhere they go. Linux people tend to be a little bit more frugal, not cheap, cheap, but different frugal in their spending but when they find something they like they will spend money i don't know about a two thousand dollar phone i don't know who in their right mind would spend two thousand dollars on any phone and then you have pine 64 who are obviously not in this to become billion dollar companies in a year or two maybe they're playing the long game and they want to be rich in 10 years or whatever but initially they're not raking the people over the coals for money they had the original pine 64 computer which was a bigger form factor than a Raspberry Pi. Quite a solid device, I'll say. Uh, I love the fact that it had a daughter board. You could put the daughter board on, and you got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, and the thing just worked really good. Um, it, yeah, I always have uh, boards close at hand, is what I'll say. And this was the original uh, Pine board. You know it's the original because uh, how it basically looks like unfinished on the back. That's how like um, uh, quick this was pushed out the door. But um, it was a really solid, solid mini computer uh, that just worked really well. Uh, I want to say this, they had the low end with like 512 uh, megs of RAM, and this was the 2 gig version, uh, which was at that point in time the um, high end version of the uh, device. And I'll say I really did enjoy this device a lot. It didn't get a lot of software updates, and I seriously thought, they were going to be a one shot and done. This was their one trick, and then they were going to be out of the business. And happily, I was wrong. Um, we'll say maybe they've thrown too many things at at the wall at, at, over the last two or three years, but I think they've done unbelievably well this year. Okay, you first have the um, uh, Rock 64 computers, Rock uh, Pro 64 computers. Then you have the Pine Book that came out. I want to say the very beginning of last year. I could be no, it's actually a little bit more than a year ago. Um, a fine laptop for the price. I wish the speakers were better, little little peddly things like that. But then they announced um, they were doing a ba- uh, basically a uh, three-pack of devices. Uh, actually, there's a couple more. But the three that we're going to focus on is the phone, the Pine phone, which 150 bucks. they're not making money off of. The Pine tablet, a fully functional Linux tablet for, I want to say, $100. And then the Pine Time, a a Linux watch for $25. 
Um, they're hitting that trifecta there. Now, there's also like a mini camera and a couple other things, which I'm sure are going to do fine. But those three things alone are so cheap and affordable. Linux nerds who are frugal could literally buy two of each and still not spend as much as somebody does on their phone. And they could literally have one that's just a hackery, play around, develop little things on. And with how easy it's become to share what you do, how easy it is to host a little droplet or have your own little website on WordPress or whatever, Squarespace, or just upload it to Google Drive or to OneDrive or to Dropbox or to Pastebin or to whatever website and just share what you're doing. I really do expect the software on those three platforms to not be crazy polished, but to make lots of progress in a year to a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, so I expect by the end of 2020, um, a lot more people are going to be aware of Pine64. A lot more people are going to own Pine computing devices. And I will say, again, thanks to uh, Captain Zero, I'm, I, I have ordered the Pinebook Pro. I haven't heard anything about it yet, isn't shipped yet, but I am ridiculously giddy to just carry that thing around as my daily driver, see what kind of battery life I do, and see what kind of experiences I can get out of the out of the out of the device. They have released a couple videos, the official Pine company on, um, you know, uh, the, the, this is the Pine phone running, and this is the the, the Pinebook Pro running, and I and I like the fact that the latest video, the late the latest two videos for the Pine uh, time uh, the uh, Pine phone were edited and produced on a Pinebook Pro. Okay, now. We're going to harken back to around January, might have been as late as March. Uh, Linus Torvald screamed at the top of his lungs in text because that's what he does. You people are so stupid. Uh, Arm is losing everywhere. Arm is losing everything because um, uh, and um, uh, x86 is destroying it in the server market because when you develop code, you're developing it on x86 and you're pushing it to x86 devices. You can't expect someone to develop on x86 and push to ARM servers. So that's why ARM servers will never be successful. I think he said that purposely trying to push people to see what they could come out with kind of thing. Uh, at, at CES today or yesterday, uh, they unveiled, I want to say it was a Samsung laptop, might have been a Lenovo laptop. Um, with a brand new ARM processor in it, laptop, running a full operating system laptop, not running, you know, uh, um, uh, like Android or something, but running a full operating system. And they said 24 hours battery life. Um, I can tell you at work, I have a the latest Gen i7 uh, mobile processor, 16 gig of RAM, HP Ultrabook, basically. It's a elite book. And I get easily seven, eight hours of battery life doing really intensive things on it is what I'll say. Cause you know, I beat up, I beat up my computers. So the idea of having a 24 hour battery in a computer, whereas most importantly, battery technology has not increased. Everything else has increased. The processors have gotten more efficient, less heat. The code has gotten more efficient. And then things have just gotten tighter in the designing of the hardware. The batteries have had ultra minimal improvements. So to have a laptop with 24 hours battery life, that is dang near sexy. Okay. Um, the other things that have really happened in uh, 2019, I'll say, is you have Intel making good amount of inroads. You know what I mean? Intel is keeping themselves in the game. Um, I do believe with the uh, dedicated Intel graphics card, 
They are, they're going to try to make more progress with the Intel NUC. They have the Intel NUC Canyon edition that was released. Uh, that is like a gaming mini computer. Um, just like, uh, explaining computers, uh, guy said, um, the idea of having ultra small form factor, full desktop computers, it's happening. He said somewhere in the 2020s, oh, it's happening in 2020. Let me assure you of this. Before this time in 2021, we are going to have true microcomputers that are easily mountable on the Visa mount on the back of your computer that are going to be full-fledged gaming computers. Um, the other thing that happened at CES is, uh, um, oh, was it Asus? I want to say it was Asus released a uh, gaming handheld device that looks almost exactly like a Nintendo Switch, but it's a computer running Windows 10. Um, with the advent of Stadia Gaming, that kind of form factor handheld mobile computing uh, is going to be even more popular come 2020. And I don't want to say it's the future of gamings, but it is a future of gaming. Um, Android and iOS are right now destroying when it comes financially to games. Consoles are not winning right now they're doing fine the nintendo switch is doing fine but if you want pure profit uh you have a device like you have your game on android and ios and micropayment help people to death um but if you can have a mobile gaming experience that's not you know three thousand dollars and you can compete with platforms and games that are being available on like steam uh i think that could be a really big like game changer for everyone um especially if the controls are tight and the handheld will last for more than like two or three hours. Uh, so in 2020, again, uh, we're going to see an insane amount of cube satellites. Okay. This year alone, I want to say in the last, uh, 90 days, I think it was what I read. We had almost 10,000 cube sats go up every time one of those cube satellites go up. That means the price of our single board, mini computers goes down. That means all the dies that make all the pieces are getting better, tighter, more efficient, more economical. And we, the end consumer, are the beneficiary of those kinds of things. 2020, we're going to see insane amounts of more mini computers. Everything from stupid toilet paper delivery bots at CES uh, to CubeSats to more mini computers inside of cars. Um, expect there to be more like uh, watches. I do predict... 2020 is going to be almost the death of tablets. Uh, right now, it's really only uh, Samsung, Apple, and Amazon with any actual success with tablets. Uh, I do expect the Chrome OS tablet to have some success, but I think by the end of 2020, uh, we're going to be seeing the end of tablets coming sooner versus later. Um, I will also say that um, I expect... The power, okay, that was, this was something else that they said in Explaining Computers. And if you don't know who I'm talking about when I say Explaining Computers, just go to YouTube. Don't go to the website. God, it looks horrible. Go to YouTube, Explaining Computers, and you'll see a guy who looks like he's straight out of a monkey's television show in 1967 with his haircut. But he actually knows computers quite well. Um, he predicted, like, it, by the end of 2020, uh, the 2020s, by, like, 2029, we're going to be talking in computer terms instead of how we talk about RAM and processor speed and screen size and battery life. One of the key things we're going to be talking about is like TPUs or, uh, um, or, or like the 
nano processing unit, whatever we're going to end up calling it, uh, by the end of 2029. I'm going to say he's absolutely right, but he's absolutely wrong yet again. Uh, before the end of 2021, that's going to be a very normal vernacular thing. But I'll also say we as consumers have laptops that are three to 20 times more powerful than we need them. Now, when I say we, I don't mean you. I mean, the average consumer does not need the processing power that they have. They do not need the RAM they have. They do not need the hard drive they have. They have way too much computer for what they need. Uh, because of that, uh, um, the actual numbers are becoming much less important to a huge swath of consumers. Okay, We're becoming Star Trek The Next Generation, where you have one guy wearing a magic visor who knows everything about the computer system, and then you have everybody else who's an idiot, okay? The actual hard numbers are not important. They're not becoming important. People are not going to be talking about comparing processors by the end of 2029, maybe not even by the end of 2020. They don't care about that. They don't care about those hard numbers. They just care, does it feel good? Does it look good? Does it run good, okay? We, who are in the know, I do believe tensor flow units or nano processing units or whatever we're going to end up calling them will become a very key thing to a slice of people um, in certain fields, machine learning type AI stuff. It's going to be utterly important um, for like edge computing. It's going to be the make or break thing because with edge computing, you need distributed clusters doing off handing off work and having it be efficient. And with those kinds of units, it can make that kind of thing insanely better um my prediction by the end of 2020 is edge computing is going to become more real it's still not going to really be real you'll know edge computing is becoming real when it's not called edge computing when you just have a family of devices that you are with where you share your processor and resources like with your wife or with your kids or with your neighbor or with your community or with your church or whatever and all those processors can work together to get jobs and tasks done. Um, it's definitely going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be called. Uh, I think we're going to start to see that happening by the end of 2020. And it's going to be because of many microcomputers being ubiquitously everywhere. Um, I will say uh, I'm not on the 5G hype train because most of the people who talk about 5G really have no comprehension how computers even work. I will say this. When 5G becomes ubiquitous and everywhere, it is going to change a lot because it's going to have so little lag between devices. Uh, and anybody who says 5G is going to kill people, please stop watching whatever you're watching. Stop listening to whatever you're listening to and actually look at the research yourself and actually look at the actual technology behind it yourself and you'll find the exact same spectrum of waves of radio waves have been in use by every major country for over 40 years. Um, they're perfectly safe. There's nothing to worry about. Um, but when we have 5g stuff everywhere by every carrier, the lag time will be so sickeningly minimal. Uh, it's really hard to describe the kind of things that will be possible. Like right now, if you are on Voxer, uh, chat, you can literally have near real time conversations where I'm in outside of Baltimore, U.S., somebody else in that chat group can be in Dublin, Ireland. Somebody else can be in Tehran, Iran. Somebody else can be in Vietnam. Somebody else can be in Japan. 
and somebody else can be in Brazil, all in one chat log. And we can literally have a real-time, it's so close to real-time conversation with each other, it's almost insane how good it works. 5G will make the lag between those devices even less, uh, where everything can basically be done in real-time everywhere else. And because of that, we're going to have a lot of things open up to us. Uh, it's going to take like another year or two after 5G is everywhere for all the applications to become more mature. The sad part is with information being sent with that little bit of lag, uh, privacy is going to be even harder to protect uh, and secure and have our own. Um, I, what I hope is 2020 is the year many computing platforms take pride in their privacy stance in how they deal with personal data. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, groups like DiPi just become insanely more successful uh, as they become more feature rich, as they become more stable, uh, and as things just work better with them. I love the fact that we have one operating system that we can literally tell 60 different people running 60 different single board computers what to use. Um, I don't know how Armbian is going to be doing by the end of 2020. Uh, I hope they still continue on with their type of support. And I really do hope they continue to get better because they really do offer some of the best all-around performance uh, on single board computing. Um, I have no problem saying that. Um, I do expect um, more like smart devices in your pocket to be even more popular. Like um, one of the one of the good examples that I like is um, this uh, SanDisk USB um, thumb drive. Okay, it basically just looks like a thumb drive. A little bit bigger than a thumb drive, maybe a little wider than a thumb drive, but it's a thumb drive. These go up to, I want to say, 256 gig versions of it, but it's not just a thumb drive. It's also a Wi-Fi access point. Uh, you can literally turn it on and have the content uh, streamable. Uh, in, uh, and I want to say the old version of this, is, which is the one I have, I want to say it was 1080 stream video up to four devices at the same time. But it isn't just an access point. You can literally have this as a pass-through device as well. So I can turn it on, log into it, configure it to say access the internet using this other access point. I can then connect to this, stream from this, and have my device still connected to the internet. And this thing is like stupid dirty cheap. You can get the 32 gig version of this for, I want to say, less than 20 bucks. And it's an access point, And it has a built-in battery. The battery lasts for hours. Um, these kinds of pocket little form factor devices. Technically, it's a mini computer, probably a single board computer. We just don't think of it like that. We think of it as a, um, as a, um, um, oh, a appliance. And that's the real success with single board computers. Yes, we are going to have boards we buy. And when you open up the box and you look at it, you're going to see uh, silicone. You're going to see pins. You're going to see heat sinks. You're going to see ports. You're going to see all this kind of devices. And we're going to have that because we're nerds. That's what nerds do. But we're going to have more and more um, devices and a, um, a, um, a, um, a appliances that people buy. Um, one of the types of form factors I do believe is going to actually be deliverable this year is people are going to start to come out with quality keyboards that literally have their own baked operating systems into them. We're all on the, you know, where they're going to have their own little basically a base station right behind it with just all the ports on it. The keyboard wirelessly connects to that and just, you know, sends all its data over. Uh, we're going to see that the slimming 
of computers. Uh, I really would like to say, I hope this is the year that Chrome boxes take off. Uh, I don't know why they haven't taken off whatsoever, but they haven't taken off at all. A lot of the Chrome boxes are essentially like single board computers. They're definitely mini computers. Uh, and I think with stuff like Stadia, uh, xCloud, um, and the uh, St uh, and, uh, Steam has a, uh, uh, a uh, type of uh, streaming play too. I do think that this might be the year where the Chrome box starts to sell like hotcakes and actually starts to make a dent in devices. Um, I'm uh, pretty sure that we nerds are going to be happier by the end of 2020 when it comes to single board computers. Prices are going to keep coming down. As long as people like Elon Musk are doing what he's doing, as long as we have innovators out there pushing things, as long as we have companies like Pine64, Raspberry Pi, Odroid, Ameridroid, Orange Pi, Friendly and Leck, all of these computers out there, uh, people doing what they do, we consumers are going to keep seeing a massive reduction in price. Um, but we're also going to see an increase in quality and specs. By the end of 2020, we're going to probably have many computers with 16 gigs of RAM on them. Hopefully, a lot of them are going to have NVMe drives. Um, uh, USB 3.2 drives, I really hope. Um, I don't care about um, SATA. I don't care about eSATA. I don't care about PCI. Um, I don't care about mini anything. I want full-size ports. I want, I'm a man. I want full-size ports of everything, whether it's HDMI, DVI, Ethernet, USB. I want full-size ports. Um, I would I, I would like there to be more modular mini computers. A mini computer form factor where I can buy a board and then I still can add on something to it of useful, of functionalness. I don't know what that would look like, what it would be. I would like that to come out by the end of 2020, but I'm not holding my breath for that one. Um, and I do think, you know, in the last also six months, three to six months, we've seen a explosion in uh, emulation machines being sold on Wish, on Amazon, on Walmart uh, websites, where in previous years, they would have been classified clearly illegal and taken off the market. But right now on Walmart.com and Amazon, you can buy basically a large joystick uh, uh, box with two joysticks on it, um, 12 buttons on it, where there's six buttons, six buttons. You know, uh, uh, no, it's more than that. It, it's six buttons, six buttons. Uh, player one, player two, um, uh, like start, select, net, you know, it's like 15, 16 buttons for like three, $400. And it literally comes with like a thousand games that are actual arcade games, actual Nintendo games, actual Sega Genesis games, and you can buy them. I think by the end of 2020, that kind of hardware, especially is going to be unbelievably polished and pristine where we are going to be able as older nerds be able to easily more easily relive memories from our youth and more accurately uh, have those games back in our life with controls that are at least similar to what we used to play with like actual joysticks and actual buttons and not some you know six dollar game pad that really doesn't feel like anything that we had as a kid um so i think you know we're gonna have a lot of um advancements um i really hope we actually have a true one, more than one true Linux tablet in 2020, because I think if the tablet is going to live, it's going to take something like Linux to be able to make it happen for at least us. Um, I want uh, more accessories, uh, whether they're 
uh, standalone smart devices that we actually own the privacy controls, uh, whether it be more form factors for like home theater PCs. Uh, I don't want to see like uh, the one that CES, the microwave oven, where the door is a screen with Android running on it. I don't. When I say appliance, I don't mean that. That to me is a complete uh, controversy. It's just it's just utterly bad. Uh, I don't want to stare at my microwave for two minutes while something cooks. Um, but I really do want to see those kind of small form factor devices uh, like HTPCs, like portable handheld gaming units, really be successful. And the other uh, two that Odroid came out with, I forgot. Uh, one was the Odroid Go, which is very similar form factor to the old Game Boy. It was like 35 bucks. It was a steal. And you literally just you put it together yourself. A kid can put it to, put it to um, to um, together. You burn their operating system. You upload your own um, NES or Game Boy games because it only had it only had um, joystick. I want to say four buttons and then control buttons, so you couldn't emulate Super Nintendo or higher. But for thirty five bucks, you could emulate all that. Odroid did just announce that they are going to be releasing. I believe it was this month. A one that's more like a Game Boy Advanced widescreen handheld version with shoulder buttons and buttons so you can emulate up to Super Nintendo. The emulation scene for classic gaming is going to become extremely tight and extremely good uh, in uh, 2020. And if you want to stay up on uh, emulation and gaming and hardware, uh, there's a podcast out there, RGB um, is the name of it. Uh, He, I'll say, is by far one of the smartest, most knowledgeable, most bluntfully honest uh, about things of, you know, AKA he quite often makes people mad. Uh, but you know, you'll have that. Um, yeah. Retro RGB is the name of the podcast. Um, he will tell you more about games than I ever can. Um, I don't really expect more out of 2020 than that. I don't think there's going to be any crazy, uh, changes in ARM processors, I think they're going to keep getting smaller, keep getting less heat, and kept getting just better for all of us. I do think the girth between things like Qualcomm's and Snapdragon's and those kinds of ARM processors and the low-end processors are going to get worse. Um, but I also think companies like MediaTek doing the low-mid-range are going to just keep getting silly better uh, to where we're going to be able to pay... Uh, a fair price and get what is going to be considered close to a premier experience compared to $2,000 phones or $3,000 arm laptops or whatever. I think we're going to be able to get close to it with spending a fraction of the money, which is a little bit of knowledge, what to buy and looking at the, the good processors that are up and coming like MediaTek. Um, I don't think we have any actual uh, new emails, except I'll say uh, thank you to John Bertram, um, who um, edited their pledge. Uh, I think they're a brand new Patreon too. Um, thank you guys for all the support. Thank you guys for all the downloads. Um, I will say uh, I'm going to ask people um, just once in a while, um, email people that you like on shows. Uh, and I will encourage people like right now, don't hesitate. Uh, send Rich an email. Ask me if he's feeling better. Hopefully by the time you listen to this and he gets the email, he is feeling better. Uh, and don't forget, Flying Rich is his handle. And uh, ask the cable guy, Brian. Uh, I really hope everything's going good with Brian. Don't hesitate to give him an email too. Uh, make sure everything's going okay. I see him maybe once every two or three weeks um, in our little chat pro pro um, program. And I get the impression he's busy stressed, but I'm afraid to ask him if he's busy stressed because that just might make him more stressed. 
Um, but uh, again, do not hesitate. If you want to catch this show live, you can either follow us on Twitter, follow us on Patreon, follow us on discord link in the chat, or you can join us in the Mattermost server. Um, we try to stream live Wednesday nights, 9 PM. It's hit or miss whether or not we're going to be able to make it. Uh, we, we will have rich back. I know, uh, that pretty soon once he gets over his, uh, slight food poisoning. Uh, and our email address is mini PC Again, it's in the notes. That's why we have the notes. I'm saying this because pretty soon I'm going to stop saying this because it's in the notes and I hate shows that keep saying this. Uh, you could also send us a voicemail, 7076 Podnut. I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for subscribing. Thank everyone for their support. Uh, do not forget mini PC, big talk, little machines. You can have fun too. Take it easy, everybody. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.